Welcome to Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck and co-host Reverends Bill Holton and Cher Holton. Discover practical applications to bring 21st century metaphysics to work in your life. Here's your host, Paul Hasselbeck. Welcome to another edition of Metaphysical Romp 2. This is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. And of course, I'm having another beautiful day in my consciousness. And one of the reasons is I'm here with my friends. Hey, friends. Hey, friends, back at you. This is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton, and it's another beautiful day in my consciousness. And this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton, and it's very definitely another beautiful, beautiful day in my consciousness as well. And as you guys know, and for you guys who don't know, Cher and I are the co-founders of our Unity Center for Universal Prosperity. And uh, we spell universal, Y-O-U, universal, because it's about your spiritual growth and human happiness. And you can find us by going to our little shortcut we made for you, which is ucfyp.org, ucfyp.org. And we hope to see you there. And of course, I have my website, paulhasselbeck.com, where you can find the events I'm doing, as well as the Absolute Word, which is my weekly blog, where I amp up the Daily Word written for Sunday. So we are off and run here around the kitchen table. I'm on the Kansas City end, and the Holtons are on the Durham, North Carolina end. And of course, we're all about science, pseudoscience, spirituality, pseudo-spirituality. And one of our continuing themes is debunking stuff. <laughs> and that comes from questioning unquestioned answers. And in fact, that is sort of kind of, for some scientists, how discoveries are made. They they question answers that people have assumed to be right for quite some time. And I recently picked up an edition of Scientific American, and uh, this was in my laundry room. Uh, it's the July, August 2023, and I picked it up because it had a picture of a bird on it, a parrot because I love parrots. And inside, we had a little synchrodipity. There's an article about bumblebees and insects, and it's all about insects feel pleasure, they feel pain. And they have things like play, a form of play. They gave some bumblebees the choice between food and and rolling around the ball. And a lot of them just went for rolling around the ball. And that was, you know, to each other. So that was like a form of play. So we really got to let go of, some of us already have this idea that insects don't feel pain, don't feel pleasure, don't even have consciousness. A lot of people believe that, but we believe they are sentient for the level they are. Yes. Okay. So any comments on that, friends? Well, I just want to say a quick comment on the responsibility of science, particularly as you, as you brought up, Paul, question, gun, question, answers. When you think about it, Cher and I uh, share with their people uh, that when it comes to their personal growth and well-being, that they need to stay to the left of but. And by that, I mean, uh, when you have a feeling that oh, I wish I was more successful, but. Yeah. 
well, you want to stay to the left of Bud, just stop it. I'm more, I, I am successful kind of thing. Well, scientists, because they question unquestioned answers, essentially stay to the right of Bud <laughs> <laughs> and research. Whatever research comes along, they update that research, which is staying to the right of Bud. Yeah. And I think we just say we shouldn't let our butts get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Honor your butts. Correct. <laughs> yes. right. So, Cher, you found something interesting you want to share with us today. Around the debunking and questioning unquestioned answers. And in, in the field of individual personal development, there are so many stories that are told, research that's cited about goal setting. And one of the most well-known and famous ones is all about Yale University class of 1953. And if you've heard any motivational speaker talk about goal setting, you've probably heard them use this story because it's the, quote, proof of how important goal setting is. So well, I have a question. Yes. So, so you were motivational. Well, you are a motivational speaker, but you were doing it more professionally before. Did you cite this? Yeah. I have, yes, mm -hmm. both of us have used yes. this story because we believed it was true. We trusted a Yale study. Yeah, yeah. and this, this, just for those who may be scratching their heads right now saying, what story are they talking about? Because somehow I missed it. It's as consultants tell it, including us. It ha In 1953, so this is a long study. It was a study where in 1953, they started surveying Yale graduating seniors to determine how many Many of them had written very specific goals for their future. And the answer came up to be 3%. So when they interviewed the whole class of 1953, only 3% had really looked ahead to their future and written very clear, specific goals. Well, they followed these people for 20 years. So that's the depth of the study. 20 years later, when they polled the surviving members of the class of 1953, Amazing. What they found was three the three percent who had actually set the goals had accumulated more personal financial wealth than the other ninety seven percent of the class combined. So that was the results that everyone was citing. Is that correct? Yes, the power yeah. of setting goals that the three percent who set those goals actually outachieved the rest of the class. Combined, the other ninety. Combined, 90%. wow. Which really illustrates how important it is to have these goals and be sure they're clear and specific. Well, it's it's like as they say in the article I read, it's the dream anecdote, you know, because everybody wants it. It's powerful. It's compelling, and it's also untrue. Wow. <laughs> and that's yeah. where it's like a balloon gets. You know, you stick a pin in a balloon and it just gets totally deflated because it's it's inaccurate and they it's not provable. So we're going to just share the debunking of it today Great. on the show and then talk about what our approach is to all of this. So how we look at it differently now, because it's interesting you asked if we used the story and we did. Everybody yeah. uses the story. Well, the group who debunked it is one of our favorite groups. All three of us really love Fast Company. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole department in Fast, it's probably two or three people, but there's a, a department within Fast Company, which is a magazine that's written, that's called the Consultant Debunking Unit. 
CDU. It's their CDU. And they were good and are good at questioning unquestioned answers. And yes. they love to do it. In fact, they take a lot of consultant stories and research that's shared and they go, they explore it. And they're not going out to prove it untrue. They're going out to see if they can prove it. It is true. Yes. And what they find is most of them are debunked. Yeah. So we thought it would be kind of fun to just share how they went about doing it, because it's not an easy task to debunk something. And we want our listeners to know when you question unquestioned answers, it's not always an easy task because yeah. you're going to run into roadblocks. You're going to run into people who want to support the old way of thinking. And so you have to be diligent. Well, the CDU is very diligent. So their first stop was a book by a consultant, Jay Reffenberry, who was the book was called No Excuse. And that's where he cites the story. Well, they went to see if it could be documented and it couldn't be documented. His researchers happily confirmed that it was all over the consultant landscape. He, they said, we've attended hundreds of motivational seminars and we've heard it many times but they couldn't prove it. They had no source for it. So then the CDU, because they're very important, they say they've got to have proof. They want something yes. specific. So next they went to the reigning guru of personal achievement. And I bet everybody knows this. They call him the chisel-jawed infomercial king, Anthony Robbins. Y'all know Robbins. A giant. Right. Giant. Yeah. Yes, yes, he is a yes. giant. And almost everybody's heard, well, anybody who does motivational work is familiar with Tony Robbins. Yeah. And right there in a book on page 200 of his bestseller, Unlimited Power, he writes, quote, the difference in people's abilities to fully tap their personal resources is directly affected by their goals. A study of the 1953 graduates of Yale University. And then he goes on to write the story. Well, CDU contacted their research department in California only to learn that the files concerning unlimited power had, quote, met a disastrous end. Oops. Oops. Dum, 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 yeah, dum. Drum roll or that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't stop there. They were referred to personal effectiveness consultant Brian Tracy, who's another well-known consultant over yeah. the years. He did not have research support, but he directed them to go to the dean of motivational speakers at the time, Zig Ziglar. Who Isn't is that a great name, first of all? Yeah. Yes. Zig Ziglar, right? Zig Ziglar. Yeah. And yeah. most people have heard of Zig Ziglar. He's no longer with us in human form, but he certainly left his mark. Well, with the time they were researching this, they went there and he, of course, had used the this, this survey and the story very dramatically in his speeches. And uh, where had he found the study? It would be hard to pin down, explained a spokesperson from Ziegler's Dallas headquarters. Here's the quote. Mr. Ziegler is always reading. He reads more than two hours a day. One possible source, try Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> so you get that whole Oops. circle of back and forth, back and forth. It's called circular reasoning. <laughs> yes. yes. You did not want to be in that circle or that cul-de-sac, if you will. So they went another route. They actually went to the secretary of the class of 1953, who was a retired lawyer, Silas Spengler. And he, he figured they figured he would have a source of the people who were in the class. Yeah. 
According to Spangler, who listed his future occupation in the Yale yearbook as, quote, personnel administration following a course of business administration at Harvard, and who instead went into the Navy and then to law school, he never wrote down any personal goals, nor did he or his classmates ever participate in a research study on personal goals. Oops. Oops. Further evidence, yes, he provided excerpts from the 1953 yearbook. No one stated personal goals. Most of them predicted future lines of work, but they weren't always what they thought they were going to be. And finally, the CDU went to Yale itself for the last word on the class of 1953. And the research associate at Yale, who is Beverly Waters, reports that a recent outbreak of articles citing the study and publications as diverse as Dental Economics, Paul, and Success Magazine uh, prompted her to undertake an exhaustive search of Yale alumni archives. Guess what? She found no evidence that such a study had ever been conducted. Says Waters, we are quite confident that the study did not take place. We suspect it is a myth. Well, so this this comes back to that saying, is that an, an aphorism or something like that, where if you repeat something enough times, it gets believed. Yes, yes. Wow. How how much of spirituality falls in that category and phrasing and wording of things we say and things people believe? Those things have been repeated time over time over time and never been evaluated. And repeated politically when you're running for office. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Repeating the same lies and people tend to believe them. Well, in a recent study to to back this up, as an example, there are other studies too, but in a recent study by uh, the National Institutes of Health that were researching, quote unquote, research findings, uh, <laughs> listen to this. Wait, 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 wait. We got to, we want to grasp this. They were researching research findings. Right. And and this, folks, <laughs> is the creme de la creme of what science is supposed to be doing. So yes. if somebody publishes something, then there are usually other scientists that will come behind the original discoverer and check the research, even redo the research. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is why peer review is so important. So important. And depends on what peers are reviewing it, as as this study. Again, NIH found that there is increasing concern that most current published research findings are false. This is a, a 2021 research finding, and they say that a research finding is less likely to be true when the studies conducted in a field are smaller when effect sizes are smaller, when there is a greater number and lesser pre-selection of tested relationships, where there is greater flexibility in designs, definitions, outcomes, and analytical modes, when there is greater financial and other interest and prejudice in terms of who's sponsoring the study, and when more teams are involved in a scientific field in in case of statistical significance not being verified. (laughs) Wow. So one of the reasons why I like a magazine like 
Scientific American. It's one of the top yeah. journals in the yeah. world. And even they can make mistakes. Yes. And I'm really excited to hear this result about goal setting because yeah. I have had an allergy to goal setting. And <laughs> when I was working at Unity World Headquarters, we, of course, as an organization, would set five-year goals. And whenever we start the process, I just remind everybody that I have never seen a five-year goal, a set of five-year goals ever completed. In wow. fact, they get superseded by newer five-year goals about <laughs> a year later. And you know, so- You do it every year if you're doing a five-year goal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. So I've never been a fan of goal setting. However, I am a fan of knowing what is mine to do now. Yes. What is mine to do now? And if I don't know, I don't do. Mm. Right? If I don't know, I don't do. And um, I just maintain my current trajectory until there is a new thing for me to do. Yeah. Well, you know, most people confuse goal setting with goal sitting. <laughs> <laughs> so explain that, Bill. <laughs> oh, they have good intentions, but they sit on them. <laughs> yeah. And we know <laughs> that, that what's that saying? The road to is is paved in good oh, intentions. The road to hell is yeah. paved with good intentions. Yes. <laughs> the road to hell is, yes, yes. And when we're talking about intentions, now we have to talk about, so what was the impact of your intention? Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Because often the impact of something we think, say, and do is not what we are intending. In fact, I have an example of that. Yesterday, I, I did... A talk I've done a few times. It's called uh, Hope to Conviction, The Journey of Faith or something like that. And I, I was sharing a, uh, some quotes from Charles Filmer where he essentially says that each of us is master and the only master of our thoughts and feelings and emotions. And then I said, what that means, folks, is you are the master. You are the king or queen of your of your own consciousness. Well, after the talk, I had someone come up and tell me that my saying king or queen, she triggered herself. And huh? she was hard to get it was hard for her to get back on track to listen to the rest of the talk. So okay. we never know how people are going to understand our words. And I was grateful she told me so I'll just I'll just continue master. But I thought master was a trigger word because we use the word mastering the art of living. Yeah. We talk about that. And one of our people said that's a word that triggers her master. Yeah. For various reasons. We won't yeah. For, I would say for probably obvious reasons. Yeah. Wow. 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 So now it's become pretty obvious that we need to pivot to the absolute word, which is based on Sunday messages appearing in Daily Word 
a copyrighted Unity publication has been used with permission. And so this comes from November 12th, 2023. It happens to be Cher's birthday. So a belated birthday, I guess, at this point. The word for that day is faith. And the affirmation is I lean into my faith. I lean into my faith. That's capitalized. So you, you can't hear that when I speak. But when I say lean into my faith, I'm leaning into my awareness of the principal divine idea or power of faith. This is what it says. In our divinity, faith is a divine idea. In our humanity, we experience it as the ability to believe and have conviction. Having faith means I have unwavering fidelity to spiritual truth in the form of divine ideas, principles, and laws. My faith keeps me steady during shifting worldly circumstances and not focused on the things of the world, but instead on the divine. I use my power of faith with strength to be steadfast during uncertainty. I use it with imagination to be inventive when met with stagnation and order to be adaptable when faced with changing circumstances. When my humanity is synchronized with my inherent divinity, I am illumined by my belief that I can use anything and everything for good. I go forth with the light and my faith being my foundation. I lean into my faith. So uh, this is one that I, I haven't read in a while. And it's like, wow, that was a good short lesson on the power of faith. Yes. And so this is the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck signing off saying thank you so very much for listening. And this is Reverend Dr. Cher Holton saying we appreciate you and value each one of you. And this is the Reverend Dr. Bill Holton, and the three of us strongly encourage you to definitely lean into your faith and research the results. And if you like what we're doing, please hit the like button or the comment button wherever you are hearing this podcast.